I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, it's not been too bad since I've been there. The last couple of years haven't been too bad. The worst thing is when the snow hardens and then goes kind of this weird grey and then the sky's grey and everything's grey and it's just a bit... Ugh. We always struggle a bit with it in Norway, even though we're a summer league, because the first couple of weeks and the last couple of weeks of the season are a little bit rough up at Tromsø in are particular. Uh, oh, everyone remembers like Chelsea at yeah, Tromsø in the, yeah. the UEFA Cup, don't and they? Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. it's not uncommon that they have to get the tractor out at halftime to sort of get wow. the snow. Yeah, 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 get the tractor out. And, um, Antonio Conte is not in favour of no, that, by the way. No, Alex Tetti. <laughs> Alex Tetti once scored a goal up at Tromsø for Rosenborg and celebrated by making a snow angel. <laughs> that, that is at once a, a great story and also a great relief to me that 2020 is going to involve more Alex Tetti gold <laughs> from you, Lars. That's fantastic. It is part of your personal brand, it is. isn't it, really? It really is. So the big one and, you know, the Bundesliga always gets things done a- ahead of time, doesn't it? Is Erling Braut Haaland to Dortmund? Isn't it just? Are we surprised? Not really. Uh, there's always a part of you that thinks maybe the the money and, and the fame and the, 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 the pull of Old Trafford would maybe uh, win out in the end. But I always thought, if you look back on his first move when he went from Molde, when he went abroad, they had offers from from uh, more financially lucrative offers and offers from bigger clubs than mm. RB Salzburg. But they figured then that, that, that going to Austria and, uh, and uh, getting a foot through the door in the fizzy drink empire and just going to a place where they have this sort of track record of developing players that that was the best long-term move. And I thought, there's nothing to suggest that they're suddenly going to start thinking differently. I mean, I think th- there have been briefings from United that suggesting that uh, <laughs> that uh, they, they didn't want him anyway, which I think is one of those sort of, it's like in school when you ask someone to the dance and they reject you, then you do go and say, oh, we just couldn't agree on a release clause and uh, <laughs> the, the uh, percentages of any sell-on fee. Image just, you couldn't really, <laughs> couldn't really agree on that. No, but I, I think they were always going to 
they were always going to look at what is the best move for him in the sporting sense. And uh, going to a place like Dortmund, where there is an obvious need for a, for a number nine, uh, where you're going to have, I mean, if, you, if you can choose between having sort of Marco Royce and Jaden Sancho uh, supplying you and having Jesse Lingard supplying you, that's this is a pretty big difference, right? And he's going to come into a place where he has a, a very obvious place where he fits into the team. And I think Dortmund is obviously a massive, massive club, but there is slightly less scrutiny there than at United. If, if, if he had gone to United and had a barren run, you know, it, it, it's, it's quite nasty. You know, you are in a, in a big goldfish bowl there, and you've got the wrath of the internet, you know, bearing down on you at all time. Uh, whereas with Dortmund, I think it's a, maybe a little bit more supportive atmosphere. I think I'm right in saying. I mean, Ryan, I don't know if I'm stretching it by saying. In, in terms of a functioning team, obviously United aren't aren't, aren't quite there if mm-hmm. we're comparing the two. Mm-hmm. Dortmund aren't quite a fully functioning team, but they're a fully functioning front line, and they'll be even more so with Holland in it because I think people look at the side of him, size of him, and especially people who haven't seen much of him, think made for English football, all this sort of stuff. He's someone who likes the ball in front of him. Mm. I think you know people have talked and we've talked, haven't we, about Olivier Giroud being an interesting foil for those little nine and a half players that they've got. And they've, 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 they've got a lot of them with, of course, Torgan Hazard joining uh, Sancho, Royce, Goethe, etc., etc., etc. I think in terms of providing something different with size, Holland has that. But he also has a technical side to him because you know people talk about his goals in the Champions League he's created goals in the Champions League as well hasn't he yeah. I think it's, it's it's a nice technical fit isn't it I completely agree I think I was actually quite in favour of Giroud going to Dortmund at one point when those rumours came out I mean purely from an aesthetic point of view I'd like to see him in that lovely yellow shirt <laughs> but I think from a, from a fit as well I think it worked and the problem that Dortmund have had probably since Paco Alcacer started to get injury problems around the winter break last season, is that they've Lucien Favre struggled to find a consistent balance to that forward line, and he's experimented in a number of ways. Royce has played there, Jakob Brun Larsen played there, Gertz has played there, and I think even Marius Wolf played there at one point last mm. season. And it's never really worked that well. Um, Marco Royce has come out a number of times and said he doesn't like playing there and then been played there anyway. And They've got by this season since they switched to the back three. It actually allows them to play Sancho, Royce, Torgan Hazard as a fluid front three. But Let's Hakimi off defensive responsibility. Yeah. Well, just rampage. Do you remember we were talking <laughs> at the Dortmund-Leipzig game when Hakimi ended up as the most... Further, he ended up as the number nine at one point during that game, which the, I thought was brilliant. The, the thing is, I don't actually think he intends to, but even in a very quick team, he's just quicker than <laughs> yeah. everyone else. When you're going to go, like, you're going to go. It's, it's, you it's like, it's like it's, it reminds me a little bit of Che Guevara in the Congo Diaries, <laughs> where he charges into battle. He looks around and all the soldiers are like 200 yards behind him. Yeah, I, th- up, I, I think it's... A, a a similar thing, really. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned and, and slightly poo-pooed uh, the briefings from Man United, but it's, it's worth saying that on the, the financial aspects of the Holland deal, it is entirely plausible that they wanted an arrangement with a release clause and some, some sell-on bonuses and some stuff that, that, you, that a club like Man United might have felt uneasy with. It's very possible mm. that they've made an, an arrangement with Dortmund that he can eventually move on for a fee that's maybe slightly lower than what Man United would have wanted to hold off on. And there is a they're a big stepping stone, but they're still a stepping stone. I think that I mean, yeah. with, without I mean, if you call Dortmund a stepping stone, you do sound ridiculous. But there is an element. I, don't think, it I is. think there is an element to that, and and you can be mm. cynical and say that that's Minoy Raiola thinking. If he goes to United, then he's there and he's stuck there. If he does well, if he goes to Dortmund and he does well, then there's another big transfer in it for me in a couple of years. Mm. And that's true. But that's there. It is also a logical sporting move to make before you you go into a slightly harsher environment. And the other logical sporting move we could have said was. Uh, RB Leipzig. Now we know Ryan that Leipzig and Salzburg are totally unconnected. We need to make that absolutely yeah. one is Abundant, called Red Bull. One is called RB. Rasen Bull Sports. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, it's, it's interesting to hear the Leipzig side of that, which to me sounded more plausible than the United mm. side of that when they said, "Look at the moment. Um, we've got uh, Werner, Pausen, um, Patrick Schick. Um, it, it's." It's, it's not as if we're, we, we can really guarantee him a place. They talked about it being a case of, of timing, that they would have preferred to take him in the summer and he wanted to, to move now. I mean, if you were given the option, say, say if you were Erling Braut Holland and you'd have had the option of Dortmund or Leipzig now, if Leipzig had been up for that now, what would you have done? I would have made the same move, yeah? I think. 
Yeah, I think. But I what, what? Because it's an obvious <clears throat> need for Dortmund, or because of the club, or uh, I think from a just purely from a tactical fit, I think it fits better. Yeah, I think he fits better in the Dortmund system than the Leipzig system, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I think you, if if I was him, which I would love to be that age and really good at football I would we'd all love to be that height <laughs> yeah me me especially be the shortest man in the room um, I would I just think that it would suit my my skill set going there and also I just think that the environment and also the status of the club no disrespect to RB Leipzig at all but they aren't the most historical of clubs around and I think the oh you're feeling it when you talk Dortmund aren't you it does get the blood pumping a little bit there's no doubt about it yeah there's not I mean in my opinion and you you guys have obviously been to a hell of a lot more stadiums around the world than I have but it's so far it's my favourite place to to watch football Dortmund of anywhere I've been to you know what that's never really changed for me like Mm. however the team's doing you know you're going to get a certain football experience Mm. and I know it's kind of mocked to a degree because they've they've branded it and that is part of modern football and you just have to you just have to live with that but you know I think you do get a certain something from Dortmund that you don't get in other places there's certain things you can't fake and I think that's the the whole thing about the town and the history of the town and how important that club is to it it's kind of you can it's like why players go to Newcastle for example Mm. how important the club is to to that city Um, and I just think that I think that it's a really smart move for Dortmund because I think it gives them options or a option that they have desperately needed for a long time. And also uh, it's not just a big number nine. He mm. is, he is way more dynamic than a lot of other options that they would have been looking at. And can he play centre back? I suppose is the, the other question. <laughs> Lars, we were having an interesting chat. You were telling me the other day how, and I, I would never permit any praise of Eggy Olsen on, 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 on this podcast. <laughs> Still but, bitter, Andy. Uh, a little so bit. Salty. A little bit. It actually worked out okay for Wimbledon. You know, the, 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 the dastardly forces who took, took him to Milton Keynes if, if they'd have done it with a Premier League club <laughs> I mean Olsen did us a favour really but I, I think the interesting thing that you were talking to me about is that how Holland is part of a whole generation of Olsen's players kids yeah we're seeing this now because uh, another Norwegian transfer that was not maybe as uh, didn't create the same headlines as Ali Holland somehow but, but Christian Tostvets uh, Eric Tostvets son is, is moving to Genk uh, which is which is a, a, quite a development because two years ago he was essentially released by a club in Norway he's, he's just he's just 20 so he's young but the, sure. the club he was at was like nah we're not really gonna gonna put a lot of faith in you going forward and he went back to, to Viking to his hometown club um, Viking who had had one of those, you know, the restorative relegation is one of the great myths. Like yes. when, when clubs go down, we always say, "Ah, oh, well, they can clear the decks now," and it's almost never true. Like it's usually really hard, <laughs> really expensive, and difficult getting back up again. Viking were one of those clubs who spent more money than they should have spent for years and years uh, until they just almost went bankrupt and, and were in, just had this bizarre season where they had to just sell everyone and they got relegated. And they went, "All right, we're just going to have a lot of young players and a lot of local players." Mm. And that for Christian Torstvedt came in there when they're in the second tier. Got promoted with them and had a great season in the top division in Norway now and he's off to Genk and as well uh, Emil Bohinen Lars Bohinen's son is uh, is also playing for, for Stabæk he's looking very good he's been linked with, with the rumoured to be interest from, from I think Sheffield United Brighton a couple of clubs like this oh, that's so, interesting. it is quite fascinating so what sort of player is, is, is Christian Torstra he's not a goalkeeper N- no he, he's, a, he's a sort of uh, I guess you'd call him a box to box midfielder he's a midfielder who, who does a good, get through a good amount of running gets forward uh, I think he's just got 10 goals or something this season so wow. he's, uh, he's definitely a guy who gets forward uh, whereas uh, Bohinen is also quite yeah. a technical midfielder as you'd expect So Ryan we, we talked about Leipzig mm. and uh, their pl- um, plethora of forward options uh, Timo Werner has been linked with a move to Chelsea. It all seems a bit spurious to me. I mean, I asked you before about moves you would take and you wouldn't take. I don't want to build it up too much in your mind that you're an international footballer. But I I, I know um, that if you were Timo Werner, Chelsea isn't a move you'd take. I mean, to me, I I can't see why Leipzig would would let him go at this, this, this very moment. And is he exactly the type of forward that Chelsea need as well? I have to credit Grace Grace on Football, who's a really good um, follow for stuff like this, and she tweeted that Chelsea are part of that this this modern problem that every fan of every club believes that they they always need a new striker no matter how many they've got. Mm. And I just don't think I think you well you've seen with the Higuain experiment that and Chelsea have done it a number of times where they've brought strikers in 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 January and it's just never really clicked and it's 
been expensive. Yeah. And for someone like Timo Werner, like you said, why move now? His stock has, has never been higher. He's still super young. I think only Robert Lewandowski has scored more goals than him in the Bundesliga this season. Well, he's, he's going along at more than the goal a game, isn't he? The numbers mm. are crazy. Yeah, the goals per minute is is off the charts. And mm. obviously the top scorer in German in the Bundesliga, Euro's coming up. Everything is going very swimmingly. They're top of the league. Yeah, I was about to say, Leipzig have a real shot on winning the league as exactly. well. I mean, that's the other mm. thing. Yeah, they they uh, won the Herbstmeister, which was the Winter Championship. And why move? Yeah, I just don't see the point yet. Well, I think I think as well, he's got to have an eye, as, as Lars says, not just on the rest of this season, but on Euro 2020. Because yeah. there, there's, there's a lot of German players who need to put to bed what happened in 2018. But he was made to carry the can to some extent for what happened in the World Cup. Ridiculously, I thought. Mm. Because, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're fast at some point, you will be made to play out wide. It yeah. doesn't mean no, it suits they, they, your they game. They weren't playing to their strengths at all, but that also feeds into the sort of gradual shift with the, the Mannschaft. They're trying to play slightly more direct. They're mm. trying not to sort of not quite as many anemic passes about in midfield and, and slightly more vertical. And surely Werner should be a big part of that if he's in form. So it makes sense yeah. for him to just sort of keep doing what he's doing basically yeah. and it's a huge tournament for Germany and it, well, I mean it always is but it's an even bigger one this time after what happened in the World Cup mm. and this new wave of German players that are coming through that are now the centrepieces if you like of that team so you have people like Kai Havertz Julian Brandt all of these new players who were there and thereabouts for in the squads but they mm. weren't really given the chances over the old guard obviously Jürgen Love famously cleared out a lot of that uh, Mesut Ozil retired and you have players like Serge Gnabry, Timo Werner, who are really, really important, and Leroy Sané as well, if he, if and when he was fit. I'll be an interesting second half of the the season for him. Do we, do we still imagine him pitching him up up at Bayern? I think he'll end up there. I think uh, this this window. Do we think? Um, maybe not this window. Can, can you imagine some sort of big sort of winger carousel or switcheroo where? Uh, where Sane goes to Bayern and and City pull pull pushes pushes the Jaden Sancho button and gets him back. Oh, that's an interesting. That, that would idea. be quite a thing in the summer, wouldn't it? I uh, think that, that would make sense for a lot of parties. That is an interesting idea. I suppose the the only, I guess the only reason you you could make for for Sane to go now, when Bayern make it happen, it will be a heinously expensive deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you, you, if you're saying, if you've got wide players anyway, which which Bayern do have, and they're going to be required to press. Perisic a bit more into service than perhaps they would have wanted to because of the injury to Kingsley Coman. And mm. I think long term, when you're looking at Sané, Coman's fitness is an issue, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You, you know, because it's something that comes up again and again and again. Um, but if there's no pressure on Sané to to start and play every week immediately, if he's got half a season of acclimatization, mm. and you could argue, you know, City have already moved on anyway, maybe that would make sense time-wise? I mean, actually, I don't think he'll go now, just to clarify. I think he probably will go in the summer, but I mean, when when when's his return from injury? Because he's still quite a way away, right? Mm. We always expect six months. Don't, 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 it was done in don't August. August. So maybe February. Yeah, maybe. I it's not, not very Bayern-like, I don't not, think. Nothing like a buying, freezing German winter to get If you're Bayern, uh, <laughs> you're going to spend a lot of money on this deal. Why bring bring him in when he's straight back from injury? Why just let him stay at City for a couple of months and see what sort of shape he comes back in? Because you 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 don't yeah that, that's I see the other thing from. And also, I think certain other decisions at Bayern might affect the Sané thing as well because they have to make a decision on Coutinho at some point and other players. So I think that wait until the summer seems very Bavarian. Yeah, um, we we have seen a a, a big. Uh, German player move that I don't know if it's quite slipped under the radar, but it's not as big a move as it, it, it would have been um, a, a year or two ago. Julian Weigel going to, to, to Benfica um, from Borussia Dortmund. Now, Dortmund said uh, they, they let him go um, in recognition of his service and because he wanted to go and because it, it does affect them depth wise. I know that's something yeah. we, we, we talked about, isn't it, isn't it Ryan? Um, but it's, it's an interesting one because he's gone from being. Rated at 40 million, probably after a season at Dortmund and being a, an apparent Pep Guardiola favourite, to taking what we I know Benfica are historically a great club and all the rest of it. Um, the Liga Nosh is not the same level as uh, the Bundesliga. It, it is at best a sideways step. Yes. Yeah. I was a little bit surprised by this move, if I'm yeah. being honest. Um, there, w- there were a few rumours that he was 
potentially available. Um, uh, and it's, it's it's around about the 20 million euro mark, we should say that as well. Yeah, and Hertha were interested in him. Um, well, they're interested in everyone at the moment. They are. And... But yeah, the Benfica thing was surprising and also the timing because Dortmund, like you said, they're light there and he's been playing games a lot recently with the injuries to Axel Witzel. Played a lot of last season at centre-back, of course. Yeah, when they were light there before Mats Hummels came in and Thomas Delaney's been injured as well. So, Well, you wonder to what extent this means they're really going to go for Julian Brandt in midfield going forward. I mean, this this could be part yeah. of, even if he's yeah. a very yeah. different player because Witzel is obviously nailed and then there's the question who plays next to him and if, if Brandt, if they see Brandt as a viable candidate to do that going forward, Forward, then I guess maybe that feel, means they feel they can let him go. It's a really good point, actually, yeah. Lars, I think, because um, I think we always assume in this situation, when you're in the transfer market, you're talking more about trading. You're talking about mm. like for likes. Mm. And it doesn't always have to be like that, does it? Because, um, I mean, we, we look at Weigl, for example. Um, people wonder where he would fit in a, a Benfica. Well, the interesting thing is Benfica have been playing without an orthodox defensive midfielder for the last couple of months. Adel Tarapt has been playing in the middle, um, <laughs> norm, normally with, 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 with Pitsy. He's been playing pretty well. Yeah, he's yeah. been playing pretty well. He's still but doing he's, random nutmegs for no reason, I expect. Yeah, absolutely. You can just take it out of him. A little, bit, little bit closer to his own penalty box yeah, now. Of course. <laughs> While screening the bat four. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what could work better? But I mean, Weigl's an interesting one, isn't he? Because he's one of those kind of metronomic, modern defensive midfielders. He's not someone who's going to pile into to loads of tackles, but he's got excellent positioning. I think that's why Pep Guardiola was attached to him and, and attracted to him in the in the first place. He does have that kind of semi-Jabby Alonso vibe about him. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because when we talk about his value dropping and the clubs he's linking with becoming like further and further from the... the the absolute summit of, of, of European football. I mean, he's, he's not had an easy ride at Dortmund because he suffered quite badly from the Peter Bosch era and he suffered quite badly in the Peter Sturger era as well. He didn't look quite right. He's, I think it's fair to say Lucien Favre's never totally fancied him and he's played in different spots. I wonder if the game that really finished him in terms of Dortmund, you remember the Paderborn game? Mm. Well, they were 3-0. That, 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 was that, correct me if I'm wrong, that was maybe the last one that he played at centre-back. I think so. And yeah. they, they've got a very, very fast front three with uh, Streli Mamba and Kai Perger. And a couple of times, I think it was Perger, went past him, gave him like a 10-yard start and absolutely flew past him. He looked as slow as Latin. Don't worry, we're coming to him in a minute. <laughs> but can I just say, just, I'm going to word this very carefully because I, I genuinely I think these players are really important in the right system and I think they're a type of player that often gets dismissed in England in particular. Yeah. Uh, but with these sort of metronomic midfielders, there's a very fine line between being a masterful distributor of, of the ball and a crucial part of the system and just being a guy who, who doesn't give you a lot physically, who doesn't win a lot of tackles, who yeah. doesn't score goals, yeah. doesn't give you assists and just passes the ball sideways a lot, right? And and that's what, and I wonder if at one point Julian Weigel sort of went from column A and slipped over into column B a little bit. Is it, is it Mats Hummels coming back? I mean, it's, it, that's, that's a genuine question because I think if you look at the centre of that team, I think it's quite interesting. You, th- you think how fast the front part of the team is at Dortmund mm. and then you go a bit further back and it gets slower and slower <laughs> and slower. You think in, in the back half of the team, in, unless, you're, unless you're talking about Akanji, who I think his athleticism has made him survive quite a poor run of form, and Zagadou, who's come back in and looked great. I don't mm. know if he's just looked great in comparison to the, the other defenders. Apart from that, you're thinking about maybe playing Roman Burki at, at centre-back because <laughs> he's a bit faster. He usually ends up there anyway. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I, I do wonder if, you know, taken away from the technical side of Weigl, I do wonder how much that stint at centre-back really knocked him confidence-wise. Mm. And yeah. like you said, playing under the the two Peters, Bosch and Stöger. Mm. Dortmund have gone through such a huge shift in systems over the last two or three seasons, really. Mm. And even if you if you go a little bit further back under Tuchel, that's a huge transition between those four managers in terms of how they want to play. And I think a lot of players have actually still- fallen foul of, of, of not really fitting in anywhere or fitting in for a few months and then not 
after that. That's true. He's still very young. I think it's yeah. easy to... to 24. F- 24, yeah. It's easy to forget that. And uh, this is quite a, a Benfica-y deal, I think, because not only... I mean, they're delighted that they've managed to, to pull it off. I'm not sure if they thought it was possible at the beginning. The first price they were quoted a couple of months ago was 35 million euros, and they've managed to bring it down quite a bit from there. But if they can get him into a good run of form, and you look at players like... Um, Matic, Axel Witzel, how they recreated themselves there. I mean, Witzel really recreated himself mm-hmm. there. He created himself into a, a whole new different type of player. They will manage to spin him on for a, a lot of money. I think maybe a year, year and a half down the line. And, you know, I think people still think of Porto as the the transfer market kings to an extent. Well, that's clearly not the case anymore. I mean, they're still struggling from the beating they got from FFP. Um, you look at the fact that have still managed to let players, good players, go for nothing, like Yassin Brahimi and um, Hector Herrera, who's, who's started quite well at Atletico Madrid. Whereas Benfica, over the last 10 years, they've been absolutely peerless in the transfer market, and this could be another big success for them. It's not hard to imagine Bayern, like, if he has 18 really good months at Benfica, and Bayern is like, ah, jawohl, this is the metronome in midfield. Every. <laughs> you have to go get him. Don't like, use exactly fi- that like phrase. 50 million or something. Yeah. Off we go. I was going to say Bayern or Atleti 2020. 20- 2022, just <laughs> ending up in that Atleti midfield. Yes, just at the point, uh, I, I think, when uh, Marcos Llorente thinks, right, I'm going to get a start now. <laughs> <laughs> next day, Atletico announced signing. <laughs> it's just that up there holding the shirt next to Simeone. Um, just quickly from one more thing on Dortmund, though. I do wonder whether that is, maybe the, the reason they've let him go is maybe because of the, the Holland signing and they've thought about maybe re- that signing actually allows them to potentially reconfigure that midfield because mm. Favre's been switching to a 3-4-3 recently. Mm because of Alcacer's injury. Yes. And with Brandt really thriving, I think as each game goes pa- goes by, he gets better and better in that deeper midfield role. I think maybe you could see a potential go into a 4-3-3 kind of thing. Which, by the way, wasn't it Peter Bosch who started playing Brandt centrally? There. At Leverkusen. <laughs> it all comes back to Bosch. <laughs> it always does. It always does. The genius. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble.
Ryan, tell me about Herta. A uh, lot of excitement surrounding are they finally a, a big city club I mean they're, they're, cer- <laughs> they're certainly getting their names in the right columns in the right newspapers aren't they I mean look look at this Draxler Xhaka <laughs> Stroatman <laughs> yeah although I'd, I do wonder if any of them will end up there by the end of January yes what they've signed the, the, the guy from Stuttgart the, the Argentinian midfielder haven't they yes oh, I can never whose, whose his name escapes me that's Cassibar yes that's yeah. it yes that's him yeah. He's gone, so maybe, maybe, oh well. Well, it's big city for him. Yeah, I, I think we can say that anyway. Oh, Stuttgart's a lovely town, though. Yeah, it, 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 it is, it is. Uh, Drax is a really interesting one, though, isn't he? Because he's kind of fallen in, the, in, in between the cracks at Paris Saint-Germain this season. I mean, there's clearly mutual interest between him and Hertha. We talked about Werner and, and Euro 2020, and it's, it's clear that there's... Um, uh, you know, an interest for for Draxler, and they'd, they'd have to be to do more work for quite a lot less money. Because even with the Lars Windhorst uh, cash injection, and we'll the, talk about the that in a windfall. Exactly. I think that there, there is, you know, a reason why Draxler would 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 go there. My only question: say if this deal were to come off, how quickly would he get bored of it? like he got bored of things at Wolfsburg? Well, I would say that... Like, of, of being at a moderate level. Because, let, let's face it, even if they get him, they're not, they're not going to qualify for the Champions League, are they? No, they're doing that thing that all clubs that have new money do and go for anyone who's available for around 20 to 25 million euros, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and then, in five years' time, they'll sell them all and go for the big guys kind of thing. Mm. But I think, in terms of being bored, I think Berlin offers a lot more than Wolfsburg does just from a the, the, from a lifestyle point you, of view you have a point <laughs> and there is a difference for someone just being out of Wolfsburg because of reasons and being a crucial cog in a sort of resurgent ambitious Hertha side right mm, mm. yeah I mean the thing about Hertha which I think is interesting is that it's the first time I can remember and I might be wrong here but that quite a historic club in Germany has been the beneficiary of some new money to this level yeah. I mean it is the biggest deal of its kind financially in Bund- well, in German football history. Um, the two previous before that were when Audi and Allianz purchased shares in Bayern. Yes. And it's massively blown them out of the water. Yeah, and in terms of proportion, what Windhorst has taken on is far greater than what, say, Audi or Adidas took on. Yeah, he's taken the maximum amount of shares that you can take according to the 50 plus one rule, which is actually 49.9%, weirdly. Yeah. So it's not 50 plus 0.1%. <laughs> but, but, but not as catchy, is yeah. it? <laughs> but I guess what I'd want to ask you, since you live in Berlin, if if you know nothing about football and you just look at the European football landscape mm. and you look at areas where there's just isn't a big football club where there really should be one. I mean, obviously you look at Hertha, right? Because Berlin is a huge place. It's got a good sort of young and uh, vibrant sort of vibe, and uh, there's a lot of you know potential. They, they can't all be Union Berlin hipsters, right? I mean, there's a lot of potential. You'd think on the there's sur- not the room in the stadium. On, on the surface of it, you would think if there's one place that's ripe, if you put a bit of good money into there, if you run it smartly, and you can create an exciting team that people want to watch, th- there should be a like a touch paper they're waiting to be lit is that true or is there more to it I do think that's true and, and I think the thing is that Hertha are, are actually a huge club they're just in a stadium that's too big for them if that makes <laughs> sense um, they're a really unique club I can't really think of another club like them in the world that mm. is I mean they won a German championship back in the 30s pre-Bundesliga they were one of the founding members of the Bundesliga they dropped down the leagues um, were playing in Gazumbrun and it's really famous old stadium called Die Plumper which is now gone and they moved to the Olympiastadion which is as you know you've been there it's quite a hard place to fill for a start I mean they average around 45,000 I think to 50 there are two massive issues really with the Olympiastadion aren't there Ryan uh, I think that there's the fact that for example when they I think the last game before the the, the, the winter break when they played uh Bruce, you mentioned Gladbach, mm. and Gladbach can, on a Saturday night, and Gladbach can bring like twenty thousand fans because there's the space for them to do so. <laughs> I think that's an issue. The second issue, maybe a slightly more obvious one, if we're going to quote the late great Johan Cruyff, it's too far away from the pitch. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I was actually at the Gladbach game, and can, the last time I was there before that was the Dortmund game, which was Klinsmann's first game in charge. Yeah, and the Dortmund game is always full, and you can see yellow shirts 
peppered throughout the home end as well, which is quite standard for German football anyway. The only yes. it's rare that you will get strict fan separation, maybe apart from Dortmund Schalke and a couple of other more heated derbies. But there was so much um, empty space at the Gladbach game, which was quite surprising because it was it was a big game. It was you know Gladbach were well until a couple of hours before they could have finished. Uh, top of the Bundesliga going into the winter break but there was still a really great atmosphere and that's something that Hertha fans deserve credit for they do generate an atmosphere whilst being in a huge cavernous stadium it's strange because it is a really beautiful stadium architecturally Um, it's got a very ropey kind of history because of its conception it was obviously you know for the Olympics and all of this stuff but as a building itself it's really beautiful and it doesn't really look like any other stadium in world football however it's really hard to generate an atmosphere there. And Ante Kovic actually said earlier on in the season, who was the um, Hertha coach before Klinsmann, that a new stadium would get them six points mm. a season. I think it was after they played Bremen. Sometimes winners, sometimes loss. Okay. I have many difficult. Mami work 12, 12 hours, 15 hours a day in the back. My job and my players is not touch. Lars, um, all our 2020 dreams uh, are set to come true. Yes. Um, Edinson Cavani to Atletico. Okay. And that well, is actually all of our dreams. Well, and maybe we should ask some questions of ourselves. It, it really is. It really is. Um, I, I remember um, interviewing him. Uh, uh, last, I think last time or last time, but one I interviewed him for, for, for TV. He turned up like two hours late. He just went, we went out, put his hand out and shook his hair. And I was like... That's great. Great to meet you. Great to meet you. All the annoyance just ebbed away, just 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 like that, with one 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 little shake of the locks. Um, but uh, it looks like it's unlikely to happen this January because he's got six months left on his contract. Paris Saint Germain will want a fee. Um, Atletico still have to clear some stuff off their wage bill, but they seem to have come to at least terms in principle on what would be a contract going forward, maybe from this summer. I mean, we've talked about this extensively before but I mean this says that it's going to be the end for Diego Costa doesn't it and like maybe there's say, a I way think you, I think it was a you, uh, you said they had to clear some things off the wage bill I think that's a very mean <laughs> some things <laughs> Diego some things Costa well of, of course if he's not going to be fit till the end of January that they're going to struggle to to, to shift him now um, Paris aren't going to let Cavani go for for nothing and even less to a a Champions League competitor but this is the move we've all been waiting for if it happens will it work it's certainly something we wanted to see happen because when you say we you mean me and you and and other people smart people who listen to this podcast (laughs) uh, because because of his age uh, it's easy to think all right he's he's 32 now he gets injured sometimes Uh, off to the MLS you go or off to China or off to the Middle East or wherever the the, wherever you you get your kicks and the the, the Inter-Miami link has always been sort of looming in the background but I've always felt that it's too soon for him to go like he's he's in very good nick and like yes okay it's the odd injury but when he's playing you see physically he's in good shape he gets around the pitch still and he, and he still has football at a very high level left in him I feel very confident in saying that and I think he's such a natural fit uh, for Atleti because he really does get through the work and if there's one thing we've learned this season is that you can change some of the players but Atleti are still going to be Atleti uh, you know we thought there was a bit of a obviously with Griezmann going and with Rodri going and stuff but there was also some of the old guard left this, this summer and we spoke a lot about it, you know, it's it's more of a sort of Le, Thomas Lamar and João Felix uh, now than you know Juan Fran yeah. and and him and, and and we always thought okay maybe it's going to change maybe there'll be more attacking but that hasn't really happened there's still very much the Diego Simeone team and we're seeing that a lot of forward players come in and they struggle a little bit to settle and I guess it's more sensible for them to go out in the market and instead of finding talented guys and trying to turn them into Simeone players maybe just find guys who are already Simeone players that just haven't been united with Simeone yet it was quite funny actually um, in, in Portugal to celebrate the end of the year um, I think it was Abola the newspaper gave um, João Felix uh, a Portuguese player of the year award and uh, he, he stood there in the, the Estadio de Luz with it holding it with his, 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 his big lovely grin and um, that, they asked him uh, what are your ambitions for 2020 and he's like 
oh yeah, I probably need to uh, learn to run a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, right, did, you, like, did you not figure that out six but, months ago? Yeah, but it can be really hard to find because, of course, when Atleti came up, of course, they've had some really talented players there, but it was also because the sort of first Simeone team of like the Gabi and Juanfran and these dudes, right? Yeah, who yeah, are yeah. not obviously top players. Not, they're good players, but they're not players who would probably ever play for a team in that echelon yes. unless they came up through one. And, and it can be really hard now that they have the finances and the prestige to attract like world-class talent it can be really hard to find world-class talent with that sort of work ethic and that sort of willingness to, to, to sacrifice themselves for the team all the time. Yeah, and I think when you're Atletico and they've moved stadium, we've talked before about how much their personality was caught up in their barrio really and how Simeone talked about that all the time and about we're, we're, the, we're the team of the workers and we're the, we're the team of our barrio and all that sort of stuff and then you move then there's such a profound turnover of as you say not just good players but key players part of the Atleti DNA like like Gabby like Fernando Torres and all, all those those sort of players Felipe Luis um, and I think it is it's normal to have this sort of identity crisis of course the, the one thing that we the two things, really, I suppose, that we haven't pointed out about Cavani. A, they need that someone to put the chances in the back of the net. And B, he's someone who's really experienced. And when we talk about really experienced, Zlatan <laughs> is back. Seamless, Andy. It's like you've never been away. Uh, it's like I'm sitting in Marcus Speller's chair. <laughs> uh, Ibra, Ibra is is heading to Milan. and uh, Which is because... Milan did go through that phase, didn't it? Of being like the retirement home to the stars and just this idea that the Milan lab could sort of coax another couple of years out of anyone. And that was a p- philosophy that maybe didn't work as well for them as they, they thought it would. I think that's the, f- that's the thing. It's really worrying. If you look back over history at the, the Milan legends and, you know, the last time they won the league, he was a key part of that. Yeah. Let's, let's be clear. He never wanted to go to Paris Saint-Germain in the no, first place. So. And he was really pissed off when they, they got rid of him. If you look at the ones who've, who've gone back, you look at Hullet, Kaká, Shevchenko, Donadoni, never worked the second time. Yeah, Ronaldo, yeah and, and just older guys they've had. like They got Ronaldinho <coughs> away after his sell-by dates. They had Ronaldo yeah. there when his legs were, were not good. But listen, I, I'm trying to... So I'm one of those uh, loopy weirdos who actually do watch quite a bit of MLS, even though I'm sort of based in Europe and I should be sleeping. Uh, <laughs> I, I do watch quite a bit of it, and it's Sleep been for a, quitters. It's been a bit of a it's been an odd one for Ibra. Of course, he scored a bunch of goals, and if you look at his highlight reel from his time at LA Galaxy, there are some extraordinary moments there. And he's still he's still really strong, and he's still very agile. So if you get the ball anywhere near him in the box, he can execute a sort of absurd volley, or so he can he can trap it. Is that the point, though? If you get the ball near him, and this is the concern, right? Because he is really slow. Like, I mean, and I'm really intrigued to see he is not fast anymore. And and you had Lee sort of. They've got a funny. They had a funny team towards the second half of the season. LA Galaxy because you have like Christian Pavon they brought in, and they have like Alessandrini there. So you had like these wingers sort of bursting up the field with the ball, and then they had to sort of stop and. Ibra! Ibra! <laughs> you coming? <laughs> it was like, oh, um, ba-dum, ba-dum, here comes Ibra into the box. And then now we can cross it in. Because it was like this sort of, <laughs> he's not very fast at all, Ibra he is. But I don't want to write him off because he's still such a, his qualities are really difficult for defenders to deal with. Like a guy yeah. who's that tall, who's quite nimble, who can trap the ball from, from surprising angles. Like if you can, you can just whack it at him at any height and he can pull some sort of odd jujitsu move to get it under control. And I think he can be valuable. It's just, I don't know, bringing in 38-year-old Ibra. Well, it's an expression <sighs> of where Milan are at, at the moment. I guess the question I would ask is, are we looking at it in in a slightly sort of, off kilter perspective because of, of course the on pitch stuff is important but for me if I think about the later years of Ibrahimovic and certainly from Paris Saint-Germain onwards if you speak to players who've played with him um, give or take Lucas Moura who was absolutely terrified of him when they played <laughs> together uh, 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 Paris Saint-Germain it, it is about the fact that you know he's, he's got this um, sort of facade of, of, of being this, this, this ogre this self-interested guy actually He's a really terrific leader. He's really good with the young players. Um, is he something that Milan need off the pitch more than they need on the pitch at the moment? I think that's a good shout because I don't think he's going to all of a sudden catapult them into the top four, for example. Mm. Um, if they were going to do that, they should have gone after the, the other MLS superstar, Carlos Vela. 
I think he would have pro- mm. taken them to Champions League success. Mm. No, he's quick as well, Carlos. Really. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, also having the time of his life. Exactly. Why would he want to join a middle yeah. Milan team? Leave. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that Milan are in such a weird place at the moment with this kind of transition at board level and Gazid is coming in and mm. just some of the signings have been Really, really questionable. Uh, I none think. of them have worked apart from no. Teo Hernandez, who played in a position where they already had Ricardo Rodriguez. Yes. So good to have a little bit of depth, but <laughs> you know, it doesn't really matter. Part of the team. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess they're stacked some, at left back or right back. I, you know. I guess there's quite a few guys there who are like under 25 and guys who are not very experienced at the top level mm. who who can uh, maybe, maybe some of the Ibra magic will, will be good for them. It's just, it's also having him. Like having a centre forward who's that static as well, it does affect how you how you play as well. And there's always a danger if you have Ibra. The temptation is just to pass it to Ibra at all times. I mean, it, it, you see throughout his career, teams who have Ibra, it tends to be all about Ibra. And, and do you want your team to be all about a 38-year-old Ibra? Like, I'm not sure that's necessarily a good thing. Do, do you do you remember that uh, time where a Portuguese journalist approached Cristiano Ronaldo when he was on a walk? And he, he, <laughs> yes, he, that was amazing. He, he took his dictaphone and like threw it, threw it in the river. Yeah. <laughs> that is what Luca Toni has just done with his iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of um, deja vu all over again, Monaco firing Leonardo Jardim for the second time <laughs> in 14 months. I, I think uh, the estimate is uh, 13 million euros in payoffs now, which is, 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 is quite decent. Um, but, you know, they're not in favour of history repeating. So it's not as if they've gone out there and appointed a coach who's uh, never been in the hot seat of a top European club before. Welcome, Robert Moreno. <laughs> How much do you want to bet that Jardim will be back there at some point this season or next? It's an interesting point, isn't it? I might it? go and stick a tenner on that. I'm not uh, even a betting man. I mean, you know, you know what? I must admit, I had a little look when I saw Jardim get fired and think, you know what? Leon, Rudy Garcia, it's not exactly the, the the perfect fit. Maybe Jardim could be one in the bank for them going into to, to next season. Um, but Jardim, uh, it's, it's been falling apart for a, a, a while. Yeah, and well, it went, what went wrong, Andy? I'd like to hear your take on this. Well, it, 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 it went really... The, the, the point where it reached a point of no return is where they lost 3-0 at home uh, to uh, Lille in the Coupe de la Ligue. And 3-0 was incredibly flattering they were so bad and it was like the nadir of a, a series of quite poor performances what's put the pressure on Jardim this season is the fact that they've recruited a lot of expensive players and you know you look at some of the ones that have have gone in there added to some of the investment that they've made before of course they, they pushed the boat out for for Vissen Ben Yedda. that that was one um, and in fact that's been one of the functioning parts of the team. The fact that Slimani and Ben Yedder have, mm. have formed a very, very good front two um, together. But they've been a bit of a mess elsewhere. Uh, the ones who remain from the 2017 title triumph are, are not quite on it. Camille Glick's not the, the player he was. Um, but I think that Jardim has been made to carry the can um, by the people upstairs because, you know, they they moved on from Vadim Vasiliev, who was running the club day-to-day. Rubovalev wanted him to run the club day-to-day. And he's replaced him with Oleg Petrov and a couple of other guys around Petrov who are obviously still have that Russian connection mm. but don't have really any experience in, in the football world, mm. which I think is a, is a difficulty. Now, people are saying in France that, in the immediate aftermath of this, um, Petrov's position has been reinforced a little bit because he's taken the brave decision to remove Jardim. And he's um, it's cost the club a lot of money because they've had to pay him off again. They've had to bring in not just Robert Moreno, but like, say, Mauricio Pochettino would do. He's brought in five staff with him. So they've had to pay off other staff and bring in a whole load of new staff as, as, as well. Um, but if it doesn't go well... People are going to be looking at Petrov and especially Rubovalev again. And 
thinking, well, you know, where is this club going? There's a lot of talent there. But I think to expect a rookie manager, albeit a rookie manager who really impressed in his first press conference, who's got a very um, clear idea of how he wants to play the game, who I think is at least partly responsible for a lot of the successes of Luis Enrique at Celta, um, with Barcelona, and especially with Spain, um, the philosophy is appealing. I think the fact that he said in the opening press conference... You know what? Do you look at the dominant team in this league? It's Paris Saint-Germain and their style is based on keeping the ball. And that's exactly what I want to do. That, that sounds great. But doing that with the disparate parts that they've got, it's going to take time. Well, this is the thing that concerns me about the fit is that going forward isn't really Monaco's problem. Mm. I don't think it's more defensive. I think only three teams outside of the bottom three have conceded m- more goals than they have in the league. And considering they're what sixth, seventh, sorry, bring Naldo back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, I just thought that if they were going to make this move, um, is the fit? You know, he's going for someone who, you know, could like Moreno, who, like you say, is his first club job. Is he really renowned for steadying stuff up at the back? Because, like I say, I don't think they're that bad going forward, Monaco, considering they've had such a huge turnover of players personnel in the last few years as well. well. That's true. I mean, I, I guess you would say like he's part of that movement with uh, Luis Enrique with Spain, where he, he made them a bit more tough and yeah. a bit more practical. And it's interesting when he's he's written about his works, and my God, does he like to talk about his philosophy? <laughs> I, I think the fact that his ideas are a bit of a twist on on four four two maybe suits Monaco because, as as I said, the best functioning part of the team is Slimani and Ben Yedder, mm. and if you can work around that, maybe that's interesting. Yeah, you've got. I, I, I can be honest, Andy, I haven't watched that many Monaco games this season, but they've, they've got some decent players and they, yeah. it's quite an expensive squad, like you're saying. Really I expensive. Mean, mm-hmm. Assuming that they're paying the full whack for the players they've got on loan, the salary-wise, which I would figure they're probably something close to that. Mm. Like having like Andre Silva and Bakayoko <laughs> and running around in midfield with Golovin, like there's a lot of money going into this. I mean, they should be they should be closer to... They will never get past that apex of earlier this season where I don't, it was only about three or four weeks ago did you did you see that where they were substituting uh, Balde Keita and um, <laughs> they, they raised the number 14 for him Bakayoko's own number <laughs> old number yes. he starts to walk off the pitch he's number six now <laughs> I mean that that was that was that was pretty good, but I'm I'm really interested to see how Moreno goes. I mean we've seen one coach who didn't really have that much experience at club level, certainly not successful experience at club level in Julian Lopetegui, who's actually done pretty well with mm-hmm. Sevilla this season. So it's not totally impossible. And also, I think you know we talked about Milan history and how guys coming back, legends coming back, don't really do that well. Interestingly, we, we can, I think we can have some recency bias and think, well, it went completely wrong with Thierry Henry, therefore it will go completely wrong with Robert Moreno. But basically, when Arsene Wenger arrived in 1987, he had three middling seasons at Nancy under his belt, the last one of which they were, the last one of which in which they were relegated. So you look at him, you look at Deschamps, who had no experience at all. Even Jean Tigner only had a little bit of, I think, what a season at Lyon mm. under under his belt or, or or whatever. So it's it's not impossible that it could happen. I just think they need to get it sorted upstairs. And when we're talking about stability, Hatton Ben Arfa back on the trading <laughs> block this this winter. Oh my God, the links today, Andy. I, oh my God, I know, I'm, having, I'm, I'm having a nightmare. I'm sorry, it's only the second <laughs> of January. Um, but. Uh, Ben Arthur has, has, has been free after getting free from his contract from uh, Ren six months ago. He's, ultimate free roll. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, well, uh, according, according to sources, um, he's, he's been looking pretty good despite having uh, only been uh, uh, training with a, with, a, with a personal trainer. He is 32 now. I mean, he's been linked, as I, I, I know you were chuckling away in our production meeting about the first name that came up for you was Galatasaray. Obviously. Fr- fr- <laughs> it seems the, like something that'll have to happen. In the mix as well. What about a return to Lyon? Because they are lacking that bit of creative edge at the moment. And it's very interesting. Uh, you know, you were talking right at the beginning about... Um, Manchester United asking someone out to the prom and them, them, them saying no. Well, it's, it's very much like 
a school disco between uh, Lyon and Atem Benafra at the moment because uh, you know they're as you I, th- I think you were saying to me they're studying the possibility of bringing him back in, which basically means Jean Michel Olas is thinking about it. Atem Benafra, I think he's thinking about it, but neither will make the first move. But this could be an interesting idea, couldn't it? Him going it's, back it's, to the it's beginning. It's a lovely mental image that they're stand, they're stood like in in, in each and separate ends of just like, like tapping like their the, feet to of, the music like, of the big sort of PE hall, and <laughs> yeah. there's like really dreadful music picked by one of the teachers <laughs> happening, and sort of like a sort of a bad disco ball thing happening. Yeah, you leave Rudy Garcia just alone, sort of standing there. No, I, I just think as an emergency Memphis stand-in, since uh, you know we've been cruelly deprived of, of Memphis's talents uh, for for a good period now due to injury mm. if they need some sort of attacking wild card who can do things that are completely off the wall unexpected and strange and uh, and who doesn't maybe doesn't have the strongest sort of collective qualities to put it that way but the, the team's kind of used to carrying Memphis uh, in that regard you know mm. maybe, maybe maybe a short term Bernarfa isn't quite as loopy as it sounds do you like the idea I really love it actually I think it's a good time as well because they're not in a spot where they're really contending so the pressure's kind of off they've lost obviously like you said Memphis Depay and Jeff Rennie Adelaide mm. as well which who was having a really good season he was yeah he looked good um, obviously he's not going to cost as much as he would have done once mm. upon a time as well and again I think he's someone who knows the club someone who can come in be that almost like a little bit of a mentor, which is a weird thing to say about Ben Arthur. I think this. Yeah, I thought you were going to say come in, upset a load of people. Well, maybe, maybe, <laughs> but you know, he's 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 one of those people. We Musa and I on our podcast have this thing called the Theo Walcott theory, where people are prospects and then they're thirty, and it's really confusing. Yes, I, I yes. still assumed he was twenty six for some reason. Just... Funnily, funnily enough, I think he's still in that headspace. He still sees himself as a potential Ballon d'Or winner, older than Diego Costa. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Who seems to have been 31 for four years, by the way. <laughs> but also, I mean, at Rennes last last season, he wasn't, I mean, he scored, he scored some goals. He had, he had his assists, moments. Completed uh, more dribbles per game than any other player in Liga. Hmm? I thought you were going to say at Ren then, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> no, hey, no, um, no, any other?" He was the he was the, he's the most successful dribbler in all of Liga uh, ahead of uh, Alain Saint Maxima. So um, I don't know, maybe maybe he has could contribute something. I, I like I like the sound of that. So what are we going to be watching this weekend, fellas? Games of the week. Well, I've spoken about him already. Uh, I, I, it seems far-fetched that he would be playing already, but who knows? I will have to watch the Milan game in case, I mean, Milan playing Samp, in case Ibra time, in case he gets ready. I mean, he's not even been officially presented, I don't think. He's doing uh, the idea for that to happen tomorrow on Friday. Friday. Yeah. But, you know, Ibra is, is, is a physical specimen. He is a freak of nature. Who knows? Maybe he can come straight in and, and, and play for uh, Milan as they take on Samp. So what, what day is, is that on? It's on Monday. Um, uh, which, oh, which Italian public holiday! Come yeah. on! All right, there we, there we go. That's right. and and well, Ibra, I think it's a it's a difficult time for him. I mean, he's a statue; he keeps getting vandalized. We had earlier they tried to set fire to it uh, for a while. There was a toilet seat on his arm, and now someone has successfully lopped off the nose. The, the ultimate the, indignity. The Ibra statue has no nose, so I mean, he's uh, he's nothing without he's his nose. He's got something to prove now. Oh, that is absolutely brutal. Uh, Ryan, pick a game of the week that ends with a less upsetting tale uh, I am going to go for Real Sociedad against Villarreal uh, Sunday afternoon at one o'clock GMT you still got Carlos Vela on the mind oh, when, well, I was actually going to say Santi Santi's <laughs> on my mind San, when, Santi's always on my mind although you know fifth versus tenth in La Liga might not sound unbelievable but only Barcelona and Real Madrid have scored more goals than these two this season so hopefully there will be goals which now means it's going to be nil-nil yeah but, I but think it does but, uh, that game at the Anoeta Sunday afternoon, I think that'll be a crack. Real Sociedad are proper fun to watch as well, aren't they? Also, Martin Erdegaard. Martin Erdegaard, one of the best players in the league this season. He is one of the best He's players in the league this season. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say it's more of the Nacho Monreal factor, personally. You know, <laughs> uh, no, they're just they're really fun to watch. And since they've redeveloped the Anoeta, it's the atmosphere there just looks incredible. It's one on the one on the list to go to. I think. Some, something that Herta could take note of. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Get yeah. closer to the pitch, lads. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh, for my game of the week, I'm going to go for a classical uh, between Sporting and Porto. That is on Sunday, at, uh, half past five. And do you know what? I think you can actually watch that for free in the UK on Free Sports. Wow. I mean, it will be like 
actually I think it is available in HD I always used to say that when you watch free sports it was a bit like that thing where you fall asleep with your contact lenses in have a brief moment of thinking oh my god I can see (laughs) and then it all goes a bit blurry but no I do think free sports is available in HD now and you know football for free you can't knock it it's absolutely fantastic it was brilliant with La Liga at the end of last season and um, um, much more of it I think I think sometimes we forget how important that that is to people but it's going to be an interesting um, game because uh, Sporting are in the throes of a financial crisis. They might have to have a bit of a fire sale um, as um, January goes on, which is why Bruno Fernandes' name has, has come up again, despite the fact that Jose Mourinho said uh, that, that the Spurs wouldn't be able to afford him. New price? Maybe. Bit of January sales. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but it will be one that Porto have to win. There's a bit of a gap between them and Benfica at the top because Benfica have been excellent um, recently. Um, Porto. A few changes for them in January, I expect. And uh, Social Consistent finally came out about that, what happened in the, 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 the tunnel at Jamor. And uh, he said he didn't hit anyone. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take him at his word, quite <laughs> Is that frankly. Is you, Andy? <laughs> if, if only because I'm a little bit scared of him. <laughs> This was a Stakhanov production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.